This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. We are talking at 10.20 on election night. I am sitting here with Hillary Baroud, my colleague with the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Hillary, thanks so much for joining me after a very long day and a very long election run up here to the primary. Yeah, of course. So we just wanted to do a quick table setter because now we know, uh, again, as of Tuesday night, we know that it's going to be a a three-person race for governor. um, And it's going to be Tina Kotak, the Democrat, uh, the former House Speaker, and Christine Drazen, the former House Minority Leader, and uh, Betsy Johnson, the former Democratic Senator who's running uh, without a party, I guess. Uh, So we know all this, Hillary, as of now, Um, putting on your expert analysis cap. Let's start with uh, the Democratic race. I mean, Tina Kotek really won this race quite handily, and that wasn't a sure thing. Yeah, it was interesting to see those results a little bit surprising tonight. Um, Tina Kotek had in preliminary results, which are really preliminary this time because Clackamas County still has a large portion of ballots, especially Democratic ballots, but um, of uh, Republican and non-affiliated voters as well, uncounted as of tonight because they had a ballot printing error that means that election workers have to go through and copy a ton of those ballots by hand because they can't scan them in the machines that they usually use. There was a barcode smudging problem or something. Yeah, not what um, you want so, from your third most populous county um, or really not any county. Not good at all. Yeah, and, and you and I both happen to live there. so <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> um, good chance our ballots are, are among those. But they're they're working on um, going through and methodically <laughs> getting those votes copied and counted. Um, so that's just the caveat for why we'd say preliminary, um, especially tonight. But Kotek has a significant um, lead over Tobias Reed at this point enough that we and uh, the Associated Press as well have called that race for Kotek this evening. And um, Tobias Reed had called Kotek and and conceded, she told her supporters at her election night party. Um, so that is a clear outcome. They had run a pretty tame race. Um and some polling that was done by a respected pollster was paid for and released by Tobias Reed, who um, had a reason to just show that he was in with, within striking distance mm-hmm. of Kotek um, earlier this spring, you know, for his donors, for example, to try and show that he was worth investing in. Um, it showed them about five percentage points apart at that point. And so um, just seeing that she had that commanding lead tonight uh, was a little bit surprising. Her campaign had also put out a memo earlier today that was kind of um, tempering expectations that people might have just saying, Hey, the results uh, very well might not be clear tonight. And uh, she really had to um, 
work hard in this race. It's still kind of a head scratcher <laughs> looking back then. Now, um, why they did that, um, I would be surprised if they were unaware of yeah. of how things were going. By they, you mean um, the former the former Cotex speaker. campaign. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as we've talked about on this podcast, and as you've reported for years now, I mean, this is the longest tenured House Speaker in in Oregon history, and she's you know she's a, a progressive champion who had a a lot to run on, but. Um, it is kind of interesting that that was the framing in the days leading up to this to this primary. It really is, and um, Kotech has uh, a variety of well opinions out there that people will will voice who have interacted with her in the legislature over the years. She can be. I mean, she self describes herself in. Uh, and there you can see it's a little bit late at night. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so she describes herself in a campaign ad as tough. And that seems like a pretty fair um, description, but tough to the point where some of the lawmakers who've worked with her really felt like their arms were twisted um, too hard on on things. But she has championed, like you said, priorities for a lot of left-leaning groups. Public employee unions are huge supporters of Tina Kotek. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, definitely expected them to support her a lot. And they have a history of um, successfully turning out voters along with some of the other liberal groups that they tend to ally with um, in in elections like the League of Conservation Voters or Planned Parenthood. So there's probably some factor of that in turnout, but it's still yeah. a little surprising how big the lead is. Yeah, the, I, I think that there might be from people outside of Oregon a uh, tendency to lump her together with uh, Governor Kate Brown when they're pretty different people in terms of their leadership style, pretty dramatically so, uh, obviously different positions as well, um, coming from the executive branch versus um, uh, the speaker uh, leading, you know, one of the bodies in the legislature. But, um, you know, Governor Brown has has a tendency to convene and, and delegate, right? Um, and uh, Speaker mm -hmm. Kotek, uh, as you've reported and other outlets have as well, um, she's burned some bridges in, in how she has carved deals, but she's gotten stuff done. Yeah, I think so. And and I guess depending on who you're talking to, I think there's definitely fair criticism of her. She has had some some situations and it'd be interesting in the in the fall election because the parent winner in the Republican yeah. race, Christine Drazen, had squared off against Kotek during um well, a lot of things in the legislature, but last year with redistricting, and they had struck a deal to move things along earlier in 2021 when lawmakers were in session. Kotech then really pretty clearly broke that deal to give Republicans um, like a an outsized say, except for the fact that it was a deal. You know, they're the minority. Right. She gave them equal say on a committee that would have passed out any redistricting plans um, from the House and... Then Kotech, when when it was clear that Republicans were not going to um, pass out plans that Democrats wanted, she just changed the no composition thanks. of the committee. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in in a sense, um, I would say that that Kotech, going back to how she's tough, you know, Kate Brown 
was pretty well liked in the legislature. She had a reputation for being able to charm people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we see her being the the nation's most unpopular uh, governor at this point. And, you know, that willingness um, or ability when you're a lawmaker to charm other people and get them over to your side or have um, those kinds of skills maybe didn't translate the same in a governor. So, that that would be interesting with Kotek to see how that would go. I would say yeah. that she is um, – some people criticize Kate Brown for her failure to um, to use her position to communicate with Oregonians and to get out messages that would allow her to be an effective governor. I, so far, what I've seen with Co- Tina Kotek over the years, she seems to be pretty – straightforward and um, confident with her messaging. So it'll be interesting to see how she handles that in the months going forward. Yeah, Governor Brown, obviously is term limited out and, and you mentioned the charm, the charming piece. That's hard to do in the national and, and local climate um, in terms of working with the other side of the aisle has been pretty challenging to say the least in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, last four or five, six years. But um, let's stick with um, Christine Drazen because, um, you know, a lot of Oregonians are going to learn more about her now. Um, but like you said, she's not she's not new to this scene at all. And she defeated a, a very crowded field that included the um, uh, the nominee in, in 2020. Um not 20, did I screw that up? 26, 2018? The nominee in 2018. So um, how did she get this done um, uh, from your perspective? Well, and and just I should note that with Christine Drazen, we're saying she's the apparent winner of the Republican primary for governor at this point. Um, still waiting to see some more results, especially with Clackamas County. Uh, but she's got a about a four percentage point lead over Bob Tiernan, a former state lawmaker from the 1990s, and he's a corporate consultant and lawyer um, who lives some portion of the time in California, but enough in Oregon to run for governor. How did Drazen pull it off? I mean, she's at this point got around 24% of the vote in the Republican primary, so that's a highly split um primary nomination vote the the lowest that we've seen in recent decades i think was in the 30s because typically you wouldn't have 19 republicans running for oregon governor like this year i think there's about 15 in the democratic race but it was just nowhere near near as competitive in the democratic race it was really just state treasurer tobias reed and tina kotek um so Drazen, I think she was to some degree the Republican um, sort of establishment candidate at this time. You know, Bud Pierce, like you mentioned, he was the 2016 Republican nominee for governor. Uh, but that was sort of a, a challenging year for Republicans. And he stepped forward because Kate Brown was running for the first time for Oregon governor after she had just. Um, been basically bumped into the position by John Kitzhaber stepping down and um, the, uh, she, <laughs> she hadn't been scandal. in office long yeah. enough to to have people have maybe such strong opinions on her. Um, so Bud Pierce this time, you know, he spent a lot of money on his campaign. 
Um, a lot of it was self-funding because he's a, an oncologist with some personal wealth that he could spend. Um, but it just was not as aggressive of, of a campaign, I think. And um, Drazen ended up dumping a ton of money into TV advertising, which interestingly was what Bob Tiernan, this 1990s lawmaker, did as well. He spent a ton of money on on TV and uh, <laughs> I'm running out. Yeah, of it didn't gas it didn't here. appear to it didn't appear to move the needle and maybe some of uh, some of the reporting, um, you know, on, in terms of his where he spends his time. Who knows? Maybe that um, moved the needle a bit and. In the late run up here on the election, I, I guess you never know. But um, as, as you- I think that Drazen, I think that Drazen did have more of a presence um, in Oregon, getting out and around the state and getting her message out. And she does have some real connections to other Republicans who are who are um, in elected positions in the legislature. Uh, she'd been there and participated in the walkout in the state house in 2020. Um, that was over cap and trade, greenhouse gas cap mm-hmm. and trade bill. It was one that actually, interestingly, the House Republicans didn't even need to do to kill that bill. The walkouts otherwise had just been on the Senate side in 2019 and 2020. Um, yeah. And and that was where the bill was in 2020. So it was really just... Um, sending more of a political message, you know, to have her caucus do that protest walk out of the Capitol. Um, But I think that she has a number of fans in the Republican caucus. Probably the strength of their support varies by person, but um, a number of strong supporters there that are from counties around the state and could kind of introduce her to their constituents. Um. Beyond that, who knows? <laughs> yeah, so let's pivot ahead, I guess, to the to the general election. Um, you know, I've said at the outset that it's going to be a three person race, um, and they're you know the main three candidates are are all uh, uh, accomplished lawmakers who are all women. Um, and Betsy Johnson, um, they all kind of know each other too, obviously, because they've been in um, leadership or influence for a long time. I don't know what what are you interested in as as this as we move uh, snap judgments here towards this uh, um, you know what's going to be a pretty interesting race and something we haven't seen in Oregon with um, with a a, a, a well healed and well known um, unaffiliated candidate. Well, one thing that I keep thinking about that's going to be noteworthy um, or something really to watch in this election. We will likely have three former state lawmakers, three people who were recently, just months ago, in the state legislature. So if we talk about um, one of the top concerns that Oregon voters have listed in polling this spring is political leadership. Yeah. If you want, if you want things done differently, if you want things, um, if you think that something was mismanaged, how much is that going to get discussed in this campaign? Um, there's just, I don't see a ton there for these three candidates to gain from going negative on each other. Now, maybe that could be different. Yeah. <laughs> I guess each of them would have different things to critique about each other's record. But the fact is, lawmakers vote 
together on a ton of bills. They vote together on budget bills all the time. Um, Betsy Johnson voted with Republicans on some of these things Mm and with Tina Kotek on other things. So some of the things that just have to do with how well Oregon is running. So take um, unemployment insurance. That was something that thousands of Oregonians um, dealt with the state's ineptitude and just the fact that state leaders had had let this problem um, just sit there that we needed a new unemployment um, system overhaul for about a decade or so, doing nothing despite having federal money. Betsy Johnson was there during that time. Tina Kotek was there during that time. I suppose Christine Drazen um, gets a pass on that because she wasn't elected until I believe it was 2018. Um, So by then the state had actually started working on this tech overhaul project. So, you know, is Betsy Johnson really going to want to challenge Tina Kotek on that? Yeah. Uh, It's going to be pretty interesting to see where the fault lines and fissures and attack lines happen. You know, I, I think of, uh, you know, I could see that environment being playing a role here where you talked about the walkout and Christine Drazen, uh, her part in that. And then Betsy Johnson has, has, uh, been an allied with timber unity. Um, you know, that could be a, the environment could potentially be a, a big, uh, uh, issue that uh, that the former speaker uh, uses to her advantage. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's that's a clear one um, where she could attack them, and and you would have a lot of voters in Oregon, um, Democrats, and some portion of non-affiliated voters who would be concerned about um, what would happen with state environmental protections um, if either Betsy Johnson or Christine Drazen were the next governor. And as far as there being three women running, I mean, I think that these are three women who have strong personalities. They are um, articulate, and I think it'll just be an exciting race to cover in the upcoming months. Um, yeah, just to to see them play off of each other, and it it'll be a different dynamic than um, if you had a male candidate in the race, um, then you just might be thinking about gender a little bit differently. And perhaps this will put a bit more of the focus on the different personalities, the different approaches, um, because that's not going to be as much of an issue. Now, abortion, I think it'll... (laughs) I think it'll come up, even though Oregon has that pretty firmly embedded in our law and the governor has limited latitude on that. But I just expect it it will be something they talk about a lot. Yeah. And just on the uh, uh, the fact that they're all women, obviously, the, the governor now is, is, is a woman and the uh, secretary of state is a woman. And we've had female governors in, in the state and, um, you know, obviously the speaker uh, who just left her position. So um, I guess I just brought it up you know as the fact that it's interesting they have a three-person race to begin with yeah and to be honest someone's mentioned that to me that i don't know whether that we would be the first state in the nation to have you know having a three-way uh serious unaffiliated candidate Mm -hmm. race for governor that's pretty unique on its own and so then the idea that there would be three women running we may or may not be unprecedented in that 
assuming yeah. Drazen pulls it off. And uh, one of the former female governors, uh, Barbara Roberts, uh, endorsed Tobias Reed in the Democratic primary. So, uh, right? I got that right, didn't I? Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it did. So that was interesting. All right. Just uh, before we're all punchy here, anything else you'd want to say before we go? But uh, appreciate you carving out some time. Yeah, sure. Anything else? We're good? Okay. Uh, subscribe to Beat Check anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll have uh, more analysis and uh, touch base on these issues and these races as we go forward. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.